Screen Time with John Fardy. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Screen Time. I'm John Farley and this is News Talks TV and Movie Show. This week on the show, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell chat to me about the Banshees of Inish Aaron. I also chat to the director of the much lauded film and indeed the writer, the great Martin McDonough. And Mark Ryle is here with the week's new cinema releases, including old boy director Park Chong-wook's new movie, decision to leave i'm open on twitter john underscore farty or you can email me screen time at newstalk.com this show is available as a podcast every friday at 5 p.m on newstalk.com or the newstalk app powered by go loud and it's on the radio every saturday at 6 p.m right here on newstalk good weekend to you all hope you're doing well and surviving the awful winds that have been assailing us so I've told you a few times, I've tried to keep it to a minimum, discussions of marathon running, because I am doing the Dublin Marathon next Sunday. And uh, a couple of people are in touch. Lots of people are doing it as well. So you may be one of those people. You're probably not. And you're like, please don't start talking about training for a marathon again. Just, I wanted to tell you though, I'm a week out just about, and we're in this delightful phase of the training called tapering, where you're allowing yourself where you're advised to run much shorter distances because you've done hopefully all the hard work the 20 mile runs and all that kind of stuff so we're now in tapering mode which is delightful uh if if, if you have no interest in running you're you're probably switching channels right now but if you are you'll understand the joy of waking up and going great i only have to run eight miles today i only have to run six miles today i'll stop talking about running now but that is the great thing about training for a marathon, that the prospect of running six miles seems like a walk in the park. So it's a very agreeable thing, I find, to get into a state of reasonable fitness where the thought of running six miles seems like a break. So marathon running, I highly recommend it if you can find the time, because that can be tricky too. Anyway, enough of this running talk. Let's get to film and TV talk. And this week I was watching this. Well, my first job was McDonald's. You don't get to be creative. You just work with robots and everything's automatic and fast and easy. I won't make a mistake again. Yeah, you will. But not because you're you, just because shit happens. I started a fryer fire. Night after I won Food and Wine's Best New Chef, nearly burned the place down. For real? For real. This weird thing happens too. You have this minute where you're you're watching the fire and you're thinking, if I don't do anything, this place will burn down and all my anxiety will go away with it. Then you put the fire out. Then you put the fire out. Now that is a clip from The Bear. You heard two chefs talking there. This has been on Disney two weeks, I think it is. I only got around to it this week. This is getting rave reviews and it tells the story principally of Carmen, Carmi as they call him, played by Jeremy Allen White, who leaves one of New York's fanciest dining establishments and he's a seriously cool cordon bleu chef and he returns to Chicago to a family run business, the original beef sandwich shop it's called. This happens after the heartbreaking death of his brother. So he's going from, you know, one very highfalutin kitchen to a very down at heel 
little greasy beef cooking kitchen. Uh, and it's a strange career direction for him to take, given that he's such a creative type and he has to acclimatize to this new working environment, which he's very overqualified for. But as the show goes on, he, he kind of gets close, albeit with lots of rows to this new kitchen family he finds himself in. His late brother had a best friend and his cousin, Richard. Richie, who has been running this famous beef shop in Chicago, and now the other brother is home to pick up the mantle, and there's a lot of tension between the cousin and Carmi. And what a lot of the reviews are focusing on is the visceral sense of being in a kitchen that you get from this show. You can feel the burns on the pots and the hands and the pressure of a kitchen and the heat. It's very fast-paced when they're in the kitchen. The whole show is very fast-paced. People are raving about this. I was a little surprised. I thought it might be better. It's certainly very inventive uh, and it's very well acted. But I don't know, the story just seems a little niche. You know, this guy struggling to work in this kitchen and getting his meat delivery and wondering about the, you know, the price he's going to pay for his pickles and stuff. I don't know. It's not grabbing me in the way that I thought it might. Uh, now, there's a nice family dynamic story going on there that's slowly revealed, and it's quite a sad one as well, and the tension between the remaining family members that are left after the death of the brother is, is well handled. But I, I guess the story's just... I feel it a tiny bit niche, to be honest. Now, I may keep going with it. I've watched three episodes. It's all up. Sorry, The Bear is on Disney Plus, I should say. Maybe I did already say that, but all episodes of it are up there. So you don't have to wait week to week. Uh, this was out in the States on FX earlier in the year. So The Bear is is good and certainly different, but it's I, I, there's a touch of The Emperor's New Clothes about it for me. I, I haven't been blown away completely by the bear in the way that I thought I might be because it sounded exactly like my kind of show. Angry men, angry brothers and cousins in a kitchen is usually right up my alley. Inventive, but maybe not straight enough a story as I'd like. Do let me know if you might have been watching The Bear on Disney+. Plus. You can email us, screentime at newstalk.com or you can tweet me, John underscore Fardy. Lots of people in touch last week about various topics, how much they enjoyed the Paul Feig interview, uh, some people commiserating with me over getting clamped. I was oversharing again and telling you about getting clamped. But we actually got a great reaction to our piece with Colm O'Regan for Matt's Week about the best treatment or some of the treatments of maths, mathematics in the movies. And in particular, I just want to mention Derek, who got in touch and reminded me of the movie Stand and Deliver, uh, which was actually... James, Edward James almost earned an Oscar nomination for it. And it's not a movie people really remember. But my memory of it is it was a decent movie all about a maths teacher in a disadvantaged area. So thank you, Derek, for reminding me of that. Now, let's get to this week's main event. Colin Sonny Larry. Didn't you? He used to be the best of friends. We're still the best of friends. No, you're not. Who says we're not? Sit somewhere else. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. Well, you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. You liked me yesterday. Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you, me feckin' brother? He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always been dull. The other night, two hours, you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey shite that day. Well, it wasn't me little donkey shite. It was me pony shite, which shows how much you were listening. If you don't stop talking to me. Colm, 
And if you don't stop bothering me, I have a set of shears at home. And each time you bother me from this day on, I'll take those shears and I'll take one of my fingers off with them. And I'll give that finger to you until I have no fingers left. Does this make things clearer to you? Not really, no. Starting from now. Yes, that is a clip of the much talked about The Banshees of Inish Aaron. And there has been much talk about this movie, and I think most of that talk is very justified, because it is fantastic. Now, you've probably heard all about it already. It's set on an island off the west coast of Ireland, and it follows two lifelong friends, Porig, who's played by Colin Farrell, and Colin, played by Brendan Gleeson, who are lifelong friends who go to the pub at the same time every day on this island. And they find themselves at a strange impasse when Colin abruptly decides that their friendship is over uh, simply because that's what he wants to do. Now, with the support of his sister, Siobhan, Carrie Condon, who has her own problems on the island, uh, and along with the son of the local policeman, played brilliantly by Barry Kogan, he plays, called, he plays a guy called Dominic, Porig devastated attempts to reignite their friendship. But then, as you heard in the clip there, Colm delivers a shocking ultimatum in order to let him know that he's serious. Now, it's directed by Martin McDonough, the great Martin McDonough, who previously had the lads together in in Bruges. Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson are the main leads in it. It's a really good movie. It's like in Bruges in no other way other than it's really unusual. Uh, Martin McDonough makes unusual movies in a good way, in a good way. It's taking place in the Civil War or just at the end of the Civil War. And there's a slight, there's a slight hue of that. I won't say any more than that. It was filmed both on Inish Moor and the Aran Islands and also on Ackle Island. I got to talk to Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. And I should mention, as you'll hear in this interview, I have a long association with the Aran Islands myself because my mother-in-law is from there and we go there all the time. And I was actually on the set of this one because uh, they, they were building the set when I was there last summer. Anyway, I, I don't think Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson need any introduction. I mean, if you think they do, you're probably listening to the wrong show. Here are the chaps. Congratulations, gentlemen. The film is fantastic. Thanks, you know, friendship, man. male friendship, we all know from our own lives, is hugely important, and female friendship as well. Do you think maybe that's why people are loving this movie so much, that it's resonating that friends can be as important as your family or a loved one even? Yeah, I think it's and it's funny how people. I know that there was a certain accessing of the breakup of relationship across the types of relationship mm. when I was accessing some of the stuff that we were doing it, um, and and some of them were romantic relationships. And uh, Martin didn't want to complicate anything with sexuality or romance, and he wanted to Thank look at God the for that, says you. Would have been God a different for that. Kind of yeah, movie. they'd be talking about a different kind of chemistry between you and me. Then I wonder how that'd go. Yeah. <laughs> I got myself in trouble men mentioning a little thing about that in a previous q and I'm not going to make that same quip this, this time, but yeah, no, we won't even give context. No, but it was, yeah, the fact is that I, I do believe that there was a T-shirt, uh, there's a shanuckle on, on the island that I got. I think I Yeah, gave, you gave you, me one, yeah. I didn't give it to you to the end. No, exactly, yeah. was, And if I get the Irish right, it was, it's, it's man's going on, on the uh, Sewell Carrot. So it means that uh, a friend's eye is, is a good a mirror. A good mirror. Okay. Right, so if, so if you look at a good friend, a proper friend, and you're being an asshole, you see you're being an asshole mm. in their eyes. Yeah. Right, because what they see of you, because of your friendship, is basically... The essential. You know, the goodness or mm. the best part of you, and they know when you're not doing it. Now, somebody takes that away, that mirror, 
and who the hell are you? Yeah. You've no so it's really a, a kind of um, it's taking away one of the pillars under which you understand your mm. your standing in the world. Yeah. Fundamental one really, and saying, yeah. Jesus, I'm, I, where's the ladder gone? Colin, I was thinking, you know, if Martin McDonough shows up and says, I've this movie we're going to do on the Aran Islands in Ackle, Brendan Gleeson's going to be paired up with you again. Like, I know obviously you read the script, right? Yeah. It would be madness not to, but was it part of you just like, I'm in? I mean, you almost don't have to read the script, you yeah. know what I mean? Honest to God. I mean, look, if, if Brendan called tomorrow and said exactly what you're saying, I would be in. And I would be in, but he said, look, I haven't got it. And I said, of course I'm in. I mean, the dream, being aware of Martin's work before, even in Bruges, and having seen Six Shooter before we did in Bruges, you know, the film with Brendan and Rory that he won the best short for at the Oscars. Yeah. I mean, the first time he ever put a camera on a bunch of actors, he goes yeah. off and he wins an Oscar, best short, you know? Yeah. He's extraordinary. He's an extraordinary voice in theatre and now an extraordinary voice in cinema. Um, but I did read this. We, he did the first iteration of this. Seven years ago, I got an email from him saying, I just wrote this thing. Have a look and tell, tell me what you think. And he got the same email. And it was the Banshees of, back then it was Inishir. Okay. And it was very different. Yeah. As Martin says now, he thinks it was shite. I would have done that one but it wasn't good enough for him. He okay. sets a very high bar, yeah, yeah, higher yeah. than the bar I set for myself, apparently, and he's dead yeah. right. But he went off and he did, he did three billboards and then he came back and only the first few minutes remains and the first few minutes being the breakup between the two of us. Okay. And then everything else changed. It went away from kind of heavy plots and action scenes and shootouts to being a more intimate character-driven piece, you know, mm, okay. and a piece about the dissolution of a friendship, which is to what you were saying yeah. earlier. There's people dying in the world for lack of friendship. Yeah. There's people yeah. dying in the world, you know, from lack of friendship. At the, you know, and a lot of the time at, the, at, at their own hand yeah. for the loneliness that having nobody to, to be to you what a friend can be to each yeah. of us in their lives, you know, so. That's a good point. Uh, I have a tiny personal connection. I was on the set. My mother-in-law, my wife's mother's from Inishmore. We still have a house there. I take the kids there. Oh, do you? Look at yeah. you, do you? I know, yeah, no, sir, that sounds very middle. No, 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 don't, no, no. there. Oh, you. So right. it's deep with us. So I was, I was up on the set. So I know a few people on the wow. island. And not that we were spying on you, but they said you were out running. Yeah. People waved at you. And there was no big deal, Mr. Hollywood, or Mi Mr.'s Hollywood. The question is, did I wave back? Apparently you did. Apparently you did. So I'm wondering, was it nice to be there away from the machine yeah it was magic I, I really found it incredibly nourishing incredibly nourishing to me so like I, I'll feel I'll feel the effect of the three months that we spent together in that summer last year on the west coast for the rest of my days yeah. really I, I really will and you, you, you know every film every event every kind of and any any uh, happening of meaning in your life, of course, you carry with you forever. But this three months that we spent on Inishmore and on Ackle, and particularly Inishmore because we were closer together. On Ackle, there was a bit of a dispersion. The cast and the crew were okay. further apart. We lived further apart. We yeah. didn't see each other on the weekends, you know, and that's fine as well. But to be on Inishmore and to be able to live in a certain amount of proximity to everyone we were working yeah. with, but at the same time to feel the isolation that an island that is that small and that beautiful and yet feels that vast yeah. because of the sky above it. I, I felt like we never stopped telling this story, even when I was on my own at night. And I'd wow. go out running, we'd do a day's work, yeah. and I'd go out at nine or ten at night. I'd go out at ten o'clock at night. You know the low road? Yeah. Do you ever walk it at night? There's yeah. not a light there. Yeah. It's dark. All I could hear was my feet. I was always afraid I'd go over on an ankle and I'd fuck it. It was kind of irresponsible, but I would be running the darkness at night and I could barely see. And then I'd feel the grass touching my ankles yeah. and I'd know I was close to the ditch. So I'd go, <laughs> I'd go a little bit away from, that was it. And it was madness yeah. it was magic i just felt very plugged in yeah. and i felt very close to my people my history and thereby it's a, it's whatever version of my essential self i can access you know brandon you echo all that i hope not i don't think you're out running from what my spies tell me but cycling you were you had your bike 
I did. Yeah, I had an electric, I, bit of an electric battery on I it. I put a knee at the front of it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My missus doesn't like them, so she had to push. You're the one. I just wondered if I get that, that quote wrong. Was it Scott on it? <laughs> it might have been Scott on. Anyway. Oh, you're there, you're still. <laughs> you're there, yeah, you're but anyway, that's what, but yeah, no. Um, I, what, was my, like, what was interesting about it was when we were on the Inish Moor, um, we we ran into each other like you would say how you um, yeah. you know you'd be walking on the Sunday and and you see Con come by <laughs> and you kind of say hello you meet them by chance on the road yeah. and it did feel very like the you know in a share in the sense that the community and the size of the island was about right we went to Ackle then the topography was different and that's where my house was and stuff like that but we were further spread out yeah. and it didn't feel quite so insular yeah. um, but the three weeks on Inchmore. We we bonded as a crew much more because you would be you run into it, uh, yeah. almost as part and like there's a all, village. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was all the feeling of just that you cannot avoid people mm. either if you wanted to. We didn't want to, and we got very close. In fact, we kind of hated having to get into cars in mm. in Ackle. There we, we were together, but yeah. also if something was going wrong, you couldn't avoid it. Yeah. So it all it fed into. Uh, the story we were trying to yeah. tell as well. The reason why I was watching the time was I might never meet you again. I wanted to tell you on my show, it's a matter of public record that I've said the greatest Irish movie ever made. This notwithstanding is I Went Down. Ah, <laughs> him and Peter. Film. Yeah. I just wanted to tell you. That's the first that thing I ever saw. And you <laughs> may owe me a retainer for the DVD sales because I've been waxing. That's oh, gas. Man, that's <laughs> great. Ah, uh, yeah. Who's that, that Paddy Brannock? Paddy Brannock, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Connor, Connor McPherson. Connor McPherson, that's right, yeah. Great Connor McPherson. Yeah. God, brilliant. That was the first thing I ever saw you in, you and Peter. Yeah. I worked with Peter on Batman. He was in Batman, he did a bit. Did he? Lovely, yeah, he's lovely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, lovely to meet oh, you. Oh, he's doing Yes, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson there. Continuing their conversation with each other after our interview ended. Uh, and they're, of course, talking to me about the Banshees of Inish Aaron, which I should mention is in cinemas this Friday, the 21st of October. And it's a big thumbs up from me. Now, it was directed by the great Martin McDonough, and he'll be talking to me after the break. Now you're welcome back to Screen Time, News Talks TV and Movie Show. I'm John Fardy. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email me screentime at newstalk.com or you can tweet me, John underscore Fardy. Now before the break, we were talking about the Banshees of Inish Erin, the great new Irish movie set off the coast of Ireland about two friends, one of whom decides not to talk to the other one ever again. And those two friends are played by Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell, who you heard me talking to before the break. Now, the Banshees of Inish Erin is directed by the great Mark. Martin McDonough. Martin McDonough's movies include Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which is a fantastic film, In Bruges, which of course starred Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, Seven Psychopaths. He he had a brilliant short movie called Six Shooter a long time ago. He's also a brilliant playwright, The Cripple of Inish Man, The Lieutenant of Inish Moor. One of the best plays I ever saw starring Christopher Walken and Sam Rockwell is a play called The Behanding at Spokane. And uh, that is that is a great play. Anyway, this guy is just a unique cinematic voice, a unique writer. And I got to talk to him about The Banshees of Inish Aaron, which he directed and wrote. Congratulations on the film. It's Thank brilliant. You. I was wondering, I'll start in the pretentious deep end. I Oof. thought a few times of Beckett. Uh-huh. Uh, to lost men to varying degrees on a road waiting for something to happen was that in your head at all not honestly no okay. i've seen some reviews that said that and i'll take it because it makes <laughs> me sound cleverer than i actually am but um but but no unless the beckett thing has gone in somehow 
you know, you know, yeah. uh, subtextually in my head, but it wasn't like a, a touchstone for this necessarily. Well, I'm glad I asked. <laughs> I was telling the lads earlier about tiny. Uh, connection to this. I was on the set because my wife's mother's from Inishmore. Oh. And we, we, we got, you know, I proposed there and all, we go there all the time. So I know it very well. So we went up to the location and I was thinking when I was standing there, like when it was being built, going, people really don't get how much goes into a movie. Even a smallish movie, like this is yeah. a superhero movie. Like, yeah. are you shocked by that? Like, people do not realize the effort that was involved in making this small, albeit wonderful movie. Yeah, yeah. Like even, for instance, I guess it's Porrick's house that you might be talking about, yes. which we built on yeah. on Inishmore. Yeah, you you need like local um, the the roofers. You need thatchers. You need all, all those things yeah. to make it real and and plasterers <laughs> to yeah. you know. And it's it's a temporary structure, but yet also it also has to be strong enough to not be blown away in the Inishmore winds. Yeah. So all of that stuff, and we built the pub. Again, to, to and it has to withstand you know the Atlantic uh, yeah. winds. So yeah, all that stuff is is but just and you're sort of maneuvering like 150 people onto the island. Everyone has to be uh, accommodated yeah, and fed and I all know. that stuff. So there's all that stuff that I pay no attention to is uh, is is a major factor in in the making of a movie. And it, it, maybe it seems like an obvious question, but the island, the, the setting of an island, you, you, that clearly appeals to you, does it? Is it like that madness can happen off the mainland or something? Um, it's a couple of things. It's the beauty of, you know, catching the beauty of Inishmore and Akil was, was, was a major part of it. But also, it's almost more about the claustrophobia of a breakup story between two people who can't leave or who won't leave <laughs> yeah. uh, and who have to pass each other every day. Yeah. So it's like you divorce someone and live in the same house. Yeah. It, that, that was as much of it as anything. You, you know this better than I do. The reviews have been tremendous. Mm. I was suggesting to the guys earlier that I think it has something to do with stories about male friendship are very important. We haven't seen enough of them. There's a couple of pals in my life, and you're probably the same. If they stopped talking to me or they died, it would be like a, a parent dying in a way. Yeah. And, and yeah. I wonder what you think about that. Do you think that might be, I don't, this is a leading question, I suppose, but to me, I think that's part of the appeal of this movie. We haven't seen enough guy breakup stories. Yeah, yeah, and without being, making it a joke or, or making yeah. it silly or all that yeah. stuff. And, and yeah, it's trying to show the, the heart, it, it is as heartbreaking as, as a real, as a divorce or, or mm. a death, I think. Yeah, that was, that was, I don't know if there should be hundreds of those stories, but, but it was definitely, <laughs> but I think that is why people are sort of, uh, uh, it's appealing to people. It's, yeah. it, it, it's the oddness and the truth of that. For us, it was like catching the truth of, of and the sadness of a breakup. What is it about certain directors? The last time I spoke to you, you said something to get Sam into your last movie, Sam Rockwell. You said something like, do you want to be my De Niro? <laughs> yeah, here you are again with the guys. Is it just you find these people and there's a great working relationship and you go, let's do this again in some fashion? Well, it's a combination of great working relationship of them being like lovely people. And I'd put Sam in that category yeah. with, with Colin and Brendan too. But then being so good too. You no, know, of course. You, you, so yeah. you're writing hopefully to their strengths. They knock it out of the park as they did in Bruges. And then you just want to recapture that lightning, I guess. Yeah. And, and uh, but knowing, even if you didn't, you'd have a lovely time working with them again yeah. anyway. Yeah. But we all sort of set the bar, bar quite high for each other in a, in a supportive, kind way. But there's a safety net, I think, of, of working with 
lovely friends like this. Yeah. Colin said he would have done it even if he hadn't read the script once he heard it was you and Brendan. You'd be pleased to hear. <laughs> I prefer them to read the script because then <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to accidentally make a piece of shit <laughs> just because they're being nice to me. Yeah, that'll be a bad outcome, all right. <laughs> Tell me this. Uh, I mentioned talking to you for billboards. You know, you had great success with Bruges and Seven Psychopaths and your plays, but it seems to me, you know, uh, three billboards, you know, it went interstellar. You were sitting in the Dolby Theatre watching Sam receive his award. Are you grounded enough a person and old enough, no disrespect, you're still a young man, <laughs> but was your head turned by that? I'm sensing it wasn't, because I know, I've spoken to people before, and it can be a bit crazy when the Hollywood machine goes, oh, this guy's serious, let's send offers come in. Did you manage it all right? Uh, I think so. Well, that's probably for others to judge. But because I don't re I'm not really into bigger budgets and, and mm. being part of the Hollywood system or, or, or getting, you know, or any of that stuff, because I just want to kind of tell stories as truthfully without interference as mm. possible. I know that the bigger budgets you get, the more you play into the Hollywood game, the more interference there is in, yeah. in, in your stuff. So. And I always take up years between projects because I'm lazy anyway. But that means you, you know, there's there's another, there's been another four rounds of Oscars between yeah. three billboards and this. So that all that goes away. Okay. Um, so I, I got all rights to do this without interference. Slightly bigger budget than usual as well. Okay. Um, but but quite similar. I think that's more inflation than anything. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, but but I kind of like the whole Oscar buzz. I, I I guess I was lucky enough, you know, had the short film and was went there and saw it from the inside without any kind of publicity machine. So I've been there a few times and it's fun. Okay, like it's yeah. it's kind of just glitzy, silly fun. I try and take it with a pinch of salt because it yeah. doesn't mean really mean anything. And career wise, I don't. I'd like to win, but I don't really. It doesn't really matter. Being able to make a film and be really happy with it, like, like we have with this, is the be-all and end-all for me. Yeah. And listen, I, I have to ask, because you know, I've been watching you, uh, your productions on stage and on screen for years now, it feels like, not to age you again. But <laughs> 52. <laughs> looking well on it. But what's next? I know you probably can't get into it, but are you, is it another movie? Is it a play? Is it a TV show? No, I'm kind of, that sounds like too much work, TV shows, honestly. <laughs> uh, no, I, I kind of, I like getting the same people back together again, so I want to get uh, Sam Rockwell and Chris Walken back together at oh, some wow. point, uh, if I can. So there's, there's but I, I, I uh, I've probably given too much away, but, um, <laughs> but I think it's in my nature to, it'll be, it'll, if it's not Colin and Brendan, it'll be, <laughs> it'll be Sam and Chris. Um, so no, so it'll be a film, but I'm not sure exactly what it is or when it'll be. Okay, okay, but Christopher Walken and Sam Rockwell, it I seems. I hope so. Okay, wonderful. Well, listen, congratulations on the Banshees of Inishir. It's and sorry, I called it Inishir. It's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, John. Cheers. Glad you liked it. Lovely to see you Cheers, again. you too. Cheers, man. Martin McDonough there, giving me a scoop, I think, of sorts, that he wants to get Sam Rockwell and Christopher Walken back together for his next project. Wouldn't that be good? And as I say, The Banshees of Inish Aaron, which he was talking to me about, is in cinemas this week from the 21st of October. And it's a big thumbs up from me. Four and a half stars, I would hasten to say. Now, after the break, we turn to the other cinema releases of the week with Mark Ryle. Now you're welcome back to the final part of Screen Time. We have been talking about the Banshee of Inish Aaron, but there are lots of other new releases in the cinema. This week we're joined now by our resident critic, Mark Ryle, to review those. All right, Mark. Hey, John. I think it's it's an interesting week. We've got yeah. a 
couple of unusual new releases to talk about. I don't know why I went into kind of a Cockney accent there, you know, just to welcome I, you, you know. Obviously, I bring it out in you. Yeah, I could introduce you a different regional accent every week, you know. All Please right, kids. Please don't do that. <laughs> You'd love it. You love that stuff. Yes. <laughs> uh, some unusual, interesting other movies out this week. We're yeah. going to be looking at the Korean movie Decision to Leave, which was directed by uh, Park Chang-wook, who people will probably know from Old Boy, a very famous South Korean revenge movie, and a movie which I've seen that, but I haven't seen a sci-fi movie called Vesper. Let's start with Decision to Leave. Let's, yeah. It's um this is a, it's a neo noir murder mystery as you say directed by Park Chan Wook um and Hai Hai Jun um is a Busan detective who's working on the case of a businessman that's found dead at the bottom of a mountain um the businessman's wife Shorey doesn't appear to be too upset about her husband's death and then she becomes the main suspect in a murder investigation but when the detective puts her under surveillance he starts to become obsessed and infatuated with her mm. and it goes on from there and the mountain that he climbs uh, he's found at the, the the bottom of it dead I, I i thought that was very well done you don't well i don't think of south korea you know as a place full of mountains but yet there's this kind of holy mountain that he was climbing i i thought that was a nice touch now you watch this before me and I don't think you were blown away by it but in the fullness of time I I, I kind of really enjoyed this or I certainly was intrigued by it yeah but, okay, but yeah, yeah. people aren't here for me you're, you're the main attraction so so tell us what you thought yeah right um okay I think it's for it was the the least weird movie by Park John Wook that I've seen I haven't seen I don't think I haven't seen everything he's done but I've seen mm. enough I, I, obviously stuff like Stoker and The Handmaid and I think most people will be familiar with Old Boy. Yes, um, I think you know if you if you've seen it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like experience. Old Boy? It's fantastic. It's mm. it's a, it's 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 a unique singular viewing experience. It's yeah. incredible. Um, this one it reminded me a lot of Hitchcock's Vertigo, which wouldn't mm. be one of my favorite Hitchcocks. Um, okay. And it also I got a little bit of Paul Verhoeven's Basic Instinct, which is yes. Never a good thing, well, in my opinion. Um, uh, I, know, I don't know. Come on. I don't know. Maybe come it's on, the, maybe it's the sands of time. But I remember <laughs> being sixteen no. and a gang of us heading off to see that. But maybe no. we're for wrong reasons. But that trope of kind of the disillusioned <laughs> cop falling in love with, for want of it's probably an outdated phrase, but the femme fatale. Yeah, I, no, like, no, I like no. that trope. You know, yeah, there there are there are definite elements of film noir here. I don't think you could describe Hai Jun's detective as 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 hard boiled, but I think Show he's, he, he's very sorry to cut across you, but he's yeah, very yeah. pleasingly world weary. Like he's an insomniac. He's insomniac. He's, yeah. He's, he's he's he's. I thought the way they painted the marriage was very interesting. His wife wants to make sure they have sex every week, even when they hate each other. What is going on there is I think he works in a big city because there aren't enough murders in the, and his wife lives in this small town that's, uh, you know, and he only sees his wife at weekends. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what's going on there. Yeah, um, I I know where you're coming from. I, I think I'll start with the positives. Yes. Um, I think the obsession aspect is done very well. 
and that works. It's it's also very stylish. It, it, apart from, you know, the odd shot here and there, which is really, really, really makes you sit up and take notice. I think uh, Park Chan-wook, he's come up with a very, very inventive way of um, visually conveying information about what two characters are feeling. And mm. these two characters who are uh, physically apart, but then one character discovers something about the other character and what that does to the the, the dynamic. Um, I, I think a lot of it, though, for me, I, I found it to be style over substance. Um, it gets quite busy quite quickly, and he throws a lot of stuff at the screen, and some of it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. The style that you mentioned, see, a lot mm. of it I really like. Like half of it, you we seem to be watching through apps and on the back screen of someone's phone. Like the camera's almost placed behind the screen of yeah. the phone on occasion. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I really like that. Plus, the camera kind of jumped into scenes, which I liked. He was almost in one, and then it was literally almost like a dreamscape or something. You were darting to something else. I found that arresting you know yeah it, it, it annoyed you maybe at times or? No, it didn't um did it annoy me i don't know but you're right technology does play a big part in this um I, I really wanted to get on board with it but i think the more it went on the less i became invested in it it's it is nearly two and a half hours yeah and it just feels like it goes on forever and not a lot is introduced over the course of those two and a half hours that really improves on the initial setup and the impression that it's you, you get to get it's kind of much ado about nothing. The plot becomes quite convoluted, and mm. um, the detective is involved in at least three different cases apart from the main one, which should really be the only focus. And these other cases that he's 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 working on. They go nowhere, so you have to wonder what was the point of introducing them in the first place, apart from dragging you know the innards out of this thing. Um, but you, I can handle convoluted plots. What I can't handle is contrived plots. And the plot in this gets it. it some of the developments are incredibly contrived. Mm. You see, you were saying much ado about nothing. I mean, there are dead bodies, which is quite a lot to make an ado about but I thought and I don't want to give a spoiler but the action changes when he moves to a different place when he in essence moves to where his wife lives during the week and all week round so I I thought there was a pleasing change of gear if a little convoluted there's there's two different this is working on two different levels right on the one level right I think as a detective this guy is really rubbish at his job <laughs> even even taking into consideration that he's supposed to be infatuated with the with the prime suspect because stuff happens and stuff develops here where you just think how did how did you not know that i, I was practically shouting <laughs> at the screen how did you not realize that that was what was happening so mm-hmm. on the one level there are things that 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 he that are really obvious that he just completely misses but then on another level things are introduced to the plot where you think that, well, hang on a second, that wasn't even explained properly. And how, why is this, why is this happening now? Um, It's, it's, it's quite bizarre. I think, what was the movie? Oh, it was the, the Saoirse Ronan movie, uh, See How They Run a couple of weeks back, where Mm -hmm. I said that we were, the the audience is ahead of the, the, the protagonist. And, you know, it doesn't take, Poirot to figure out what's going on through most of this. It's pretty obvious. Um, and I do think that this is another one of those instances where a lot of the time the audience is a few steps ahead of the characters and waiting for the, the, waiting for the, the main guy to catch up. And it's quite a frustrating experience. 
Mm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm a bit like the detective, though. I, I wasn't clear what was going on, to be honest. <laughs> but tell me this, just back to the positives. Uh, the actress' name is Tang Wei, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, who plays the woman and possible suspect he gets obsessed with. I thought she was great. She's Chinese by birth, her character is, and she switches between Chinese and South Korean, and there's a nice thing about language in it at times. I thought she was the highlight of it, though, certainly from well, an acting point of view. Yeah, yeah, no. Both the leads are, are very, very good. Um, I think she was it was it Lust Caution was the, yes. the, the other movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're both they're both really good. Um, and I've got no like my 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 issue is not with the the, the yes. acting or yeah. a lot of the style of it. It's just a lot of the plot. I think as I said, there's two different levels of this, and one of them is is as dumb as a bag of of bricks, and then the other one is just it makes no no logical sense whatsoever. So it's quite a it's a confusing experience and also it's just it's really long and it kind of there's a reset in it and then it, it kind of doesn't develop after the reset it's just it's i found it quite quite frustrating <laughs> yeah but you see in the reset right and again i don't want to give spoilers a body no. shows up in a swimming pool you know yeah. so like you know there's there was more work to be done this is know? yeah i know but it, it's just it's it's it was contrived okay <laughs> he needs more murders and spaceships and things though i'm only joking but, but look no i'm i'm I'm, be, I'm being unfair but let me just closing this out i mean you and me but you even more than me well i'm not sure i have to watch a lot of stuff too but we watch a lot of movies right yeah. and a lot of them unfortunately we don't enjoy because there's a lot of dross out there but there certainly is whatever you thought about the convolution of the plot you know, and I've said this many times, you know, to watch a movie from so far away that held your interest, like it's a pleasing experience to watch this in lots of ways. It's a break from the norm, don't you think? I do. And also it's not Black Adam. <laughs> yes, yes. Which we're not reviewing this week. But anyway, let's, <laughs> we won't get into why that is. I could, but, have been, uh, I could have been sat here talking about Black Adam. So <laughs> yes. There's a relief. Okay, <laughs> so what would you say stars wise for Decision to Leave? Uh, I'm going to give it a three. I'm afraid the the parts just didn't add up. Okay. I'm going to give it three and a half. So maybe we're not miles apart. I'm not far away from a four. But but as you're talking, I do get what you're saying about about the plot. Mm. But anyway, but as I say, maybe I'm just a bit slower than you and I didn't see what was happening. So that is three (laughs) and three and a half, respectively, from Mark and me for Decision to Leave. Won't play a clip because it is in Korean and Chinese to a certain extent. And unlike a well-known art show on RT Radio 1 from the noughties, We don't do that. There's a little personal (laughs) gripe of mine. Anyway, so the other movie I haven't seen uh, on general release this week is Vesper, V-E-S-P-E-R. The reason Mm. why I'm spelling that out is because Mark kept telling me what the name of it was, and I seem to be checking it wrong. Vesper? Vesper? Vitals? Yeah, it's about a moped. This this is a sci-fi movie. What's happening in this? It's a low-budget sci-fi. It's uh, written and directed by Christina Bojaiti and Bruno Samper, and it's set in a grim and a, it's a it's a dystopian future. John, okay. the futures are always dystopian. You they're know? rarely good. You're right. They're, they're you know? very, very rarely yeah. good. Yeah. Anyway, what's going on here is the future is uh, an ecological disaster has wiped out all crops and all animals and most humans, and the the wealthy live in closed-off cities called citadels, and everybody else 
uh, struggles to survive by scavenging for whatever scraps they can find in the dirt. And Raphael Chapman plays the title character and Vespa, Vesper is a 13-year-old girl. She looks after her paralyzed bedbound father and he's only able to communicate through a talking drone um keep up <laughs> she's she's uh, she also has a very uncomfortable and distrustful relationship with this with her uncle jonas who's played by eddie marzen and he lives on a nearby commune with a a gang of possibly inbred offspring it's not really made clear but then one day a glider from one of the citadels crashes in the woods and vesper finds a young and wealthy survivor and she gives her shelter and then while trying to keep her presence a secret from her malevolent uncle who is bound to cause problems if he discovers that she's there okay right so uh very concise albeit long uh summation of what's going on in vesper a lot going on yeah so a lot going on i mean uh dystopian set future thrillers so what what, how did it grab you i haven't seen it so it's on you it's pretty great. It reminded me oh. of a hundred different things from Andrei Tarkovsky's Stalker and Cronenberg's wow. Videodrome. Wow. Miyazaki's Nausicaa, uh, Alex Garland's Annihilation, even a bit of Jean-Pierre Jeunet's The City of Lost Children. Having wow. said all that, even though it reminded me of all of those different things, it's not derivative. I think it's it's highly original piece of work. Wow, that I because just by the description, I thought this is too convoluted, but that sounds killer. When you start mentioning Tarkovsky's Stalker, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm with you, hook, line, and sinker. That's high praise indeed. So, the lead actress in it is it's yeah, it's, it's Raffaella Chapman. Yeah, she, she, from the little the clips I've watched, she seemed very good. She is like everybody's good. Um, it's a bit like a it's a it's, I suppose it's an art house sci fi. Wow, okay. Um, and you've got that that the the bit that I mentioned in the beginning, the societal element, the haves and the have nots, the super rich in their in their closed off citadels. It's it's not front and foremost in the story. It's used very effectively as, okay. a, as a, a world building backdrop. Yeah, and it, it's there in the background. The movie's primary focus, I suppose, is, is the is the ghost of humanity, mm-hmm. and um, it uses this very very effective mix of digital and, and practical effects. It's very satisfying. Um, it was shot in Lithuania. Um, and you've got this desolate Baltic landscape that that's that that very effectively stands in for the the post-apocalyptic future, mm-hmm. and the the production design is just extraordinary. There are so many throwaway elements here that are exceptional. Um, like the 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 landscape is dotted with these these enormous mushroom-shaped metal things that are never explained, but um, they're obviously part of humanity's failed attempts to hold off this uh, ecological catastrophe. But okay. now they're just left lying around to rot like the, the wrecks of burnt out cars. The the costume design, same same with the costume design. The, the, some of the costumes are just incredible. It's it's really impressive given the the tiny budget of eight million for, for you know a sci fi that's that's just a laughable figure. Oh, it it really is eight. Like it's it's a horrific thing to say, given the world we live in. But but it's eight million is is barely a budget for a sci-fi movie, anyway. You know. So it's look, probably craft catering on uh, for for a day on on some of the the bigger budget stuff. Yeah. So tell me this. Uh, you know, of the grievances you occasionally have with movies, and there are one or two. You know, third acts, final acts, satisfying conclusions. Did this keep you there the whole way without spoiling well, anything? What I will say is that I think if you if you're prone to germophobic tendencies, this is probably not the movie for you. Um, I mentioned Cronenberg earlier on. It's it's fairly 
and consistently gross and icky. There's lots of groping around in, in slimy things. And, you know, if the visuals of that don't make you feel queasy, then the sound effects <laughs> will. Um, also, I think the musical score is very, very distracting. It's, it's really, it's overbearing and it's bombastic throughout, regardless of what's happening on screen. It's dialed up to 11 the whole time and it just doesn't fit. Um, but the, the, that's just, it's, it's nitpicking. It's, 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 a, it's a solid piece of, of science fiction. And um, sorry, you didn't yeah. quite answer the question I asked you. Sorry. Did, did, did you find it satisfying the way it ended up though? Oh um, yes, I think it might be. Had a you little... nodded off there when I asked the question, or just? I was. I don't listen. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I want to say. <laughs> um, I think it might. It's satisfying. Um, it, it might be a little bit literal. I don't really want to talk about okay. where it goes, but okay. no, it, no, it, it it works. It's it's a solid piece of work. Um, Eddie Marzen. I just want to talk about him quickly. He's 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 fantastic. He's really really chilling in this. He's the villain, mm. but what's fascinating about it is, is that he, he's not he's not playing him as the villain. Um, you know, it's a very very cruel, mm. cold world, and his character does some terrible awful things. But the way that Marsden plays it, you can almost see where he's coming from. Um, and it's it's he's got a sort of a quiet resignation about it, an inevitability that it's going to be necessary to carry out some 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 bad things uh, to survive in this environment he's just he's 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 brilliant wow i really like the sound of this i have to say it's funny they you know not to tell them how to suck eggs but they should do a better trailer for it because i didn't get that from the trailer but that's that's often the way good trailer crap movie didn't, bad trailer, i didn't see the trailer is it no is you it saw not? you saw the whole movie no i just i didn't i didn't expect you to tell me that that was what this movie was like but right. you know it, it's hard to get it from the trailer tell me this uh what are you going to say stars wise for vesper uh i'm going to give it three and a half i think it's really worth watching Okay, three and a half. I thought you were going towards a four, but as you say, well, not, not every child can have a biscuit. Isn't that right? That's Listen, it. that's three and a half for Vesper. And then for the previous movie, Decision to Leave, Mark gave three. I gave three and a half. Quickly, Mark, exciting next week. I haven't mentioned this to our listeners yet, but next week we are doing our, our screen time special for the weekend that's in it, our favorite horror movies. Yeah, we are. Well, I suppose it depends on how you define exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we will do all of that and more next week. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, John. Mark Royal there talking to me about Vesper and also Decision to Leave, two of the week's new releases. That's it for this week. As we mentioned there, next week we are doing a Halloween special. Yes, me and Mark Royal will be talking about the greatest horror movies ever made spooky good fun hopefully let's wait and see as mark would say that's it for this week my thanks to Marie kane who helped out on the show this week as she does every week get in touch with me at any stage during the week john underscore fardy is my twitter handle or you can email us screentime at newstalk.com this show is available as a podcast every friday at 5 p.m on newstalk.com or the newstalk app powered by go loud and it is on the radio every saturday at 6 p.m right here on News Talk. That is it for this week. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a safe week ahead and I'll talk to you next week for our Halloween special.